0: Welcome to another episode of Reformation Roundtable. My name is Joe Stout, and I am excited about today's episode because we get to hear from Pastor Dave Hatcher of Trinity Church in Kirkland. We invited him to come to our fellowship night, and he spoke to us for about 45 minutes on what it would look like to be a mission church under the care of Of Trinity Church. He gave us a lot of practical next steps that we need to take as we seek for the oversight of the CREC, the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. We're going to get right to the fellowship night, the recording of the fellowship night. I would just like to make one note that while I was speaking last night, I inadvertently used the term missional church instead of mission church. Now, Dave actually corrects it later on in the talk, but I wanted to make a point of saying that I didn't realize that there were kind of vast differences between what a missional church has come to be known as and a mission church has come to be known as. Missional is not at all what we're looking to do. A mission church is what we're looking to do. We're looking to plant a mission church within the CREC under the care of Trinity Church in Kirkland if you want to join us in what god is accomplishing here in lewis county we want you to be a part of this this is not an exclusive group at all we're just a group of christians who long to see the glories of god here in lewis county so if you'd like to join us head over to lewiscounty.church fill out the contact form and we'll get you in That is enough for me. We're going to turn it over to the Fellowship Night recording. I hope you enjoy the teaching, and I hope you join us for the work that God is doing here in Lewis County. Thank you guys for coming. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for all of the families that have come here. Uh, Lord, your people are precious in your sight, and we thank you that we we can come together under the common banner of Jesus, and that uh, from the oldest to the youngest— we all are brothers and sisters in that name. We pray, Father, that as we seek um, unity and as we seek to uh, build a church here in Lewis County, that you would be king over that, that you would uh, lay aside uh, any any feelings of division, any feelings of um, pride, spiritual pride or otherwise. And we pray, Father, for your blessing on tonight. May we um, fellowship, may we speak words that are true, and will you give uh, Pastor Dave Hatcher... Um, Wisdom as he's speaking, and uh, give people here uh, ears to hear, and good questions to ask him. We pray all this in the good and strong name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, great. We are going to sing a song. So we're going to sing two songs today, just one song now, then I'll introduce Pastor Pastor Hatcher. Then we'll sing Psalm 128. Now, we've sang Psalm 128 several times, and so it shouldn't be a brand new song. This one actually is... um, uh, it's a really, really good song. It's it's not uh, it's not sung a lot, um, so it might be a, a kind of new. We'll, what we'll probably do with it is I'll sing. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the YouTube video I sent, um, I'll si- we'll sing through a, the first verse once, and then we'll start at the beginning again, just so you kind of get a little feel for it. If you read music, you're going to notice that I'm going to sing this song just a little bit different than the way it's written. I'm not to- This is a new edition uh, that they have in the Conscious Christi, I'm not totally sure. I've never heard anyone sing it the way they've written it. Um, And so I don't know how to sing it that way, like without practicing it more. So, you know, old habits die hard. So Um, but it's it's really, really good. Um, So it's a glorious song. And I just wanted to take a a quick second here to look at the verses. The first verse speaks to the total reign and dominion of God the Father. Uh, The second verse speaks of the angelic choirs that are constantly singing holy, 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 in response to his majesty. The third verse is really about us, the bride of Christ, the church. Um, So from the apostles in the beginning to the prophets that came after and the martyrs who are now clothed in white, we all are singing the song of the church. And through her, through us, the song goes on. And then the final verse acknowledges the Trinity uh, and the nature of the mystery of the three in one and the one in three. So we submit to this doctrine in, in adoration. We adore this doctrine. And we own the fact that we can't explain it. We can't give a scientific rationale for the Trinity. And we, we find that to be a beautiful thing. We own the mystery. Um, so uh, let's sing. We'll uh, we'll sing, Holy God, we praise thy name. And uh, then I will introduce our speaker. Get my uh,
1: capo here, right? Holy God, we praise thy name, Lord of all, we bow before thee, all on earth thy scepter reign.
0: one
1: again holy god we praise thy name lord of all we bow before thee all on earth thy scepter claim all in heaven above adore thee infinite thy vast domain I reign. Heart the loud celestial hymn, angel choirs above are raising, cherubim and seraphim in unceasing chorus. Prophets swell the loud refrain, and the white-robed martyrs follow. God reclaiming me and adoring bend the knee while we own the misery.
0: Amen. 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 All right. Good singing, guys. Okay, Elizabeth and I have been incredibly blessed by each of you, uh, by your involvement, your faithfulness, uh, to be in, in just watching the Lord work here in Lewis County. And almost exactly one year ago today, uh, Reformation Roundtable, as we've decided to call it, we'd only met a handful of times. Uh, And we had a a general sense that we needed a theologically conservative and a biblically faithful Reformed church. We knew that much. Um, And we knew that it needed to be in our community amongst our own people. We didn't want to be driving hours to get to it. But we didn't know much beyond that. Uh, And so knowing that the Lord can do all things, we ask this question. Can such a church start here? So walking by faith, uh, Reformation Roundtable sprung out of our desire to understand one another in our pursuit of Christ. So we seek the glory of God and the unity of the brethren. Psalm 133 states how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity So as we've all been praying for the Lord's work to be done here in Lewis County, as it is in heaven, we've been asking for a Reformed Church to be planted and to thrive, we have been blessed to see the Lord say yes time and time again during this past year. So tonight is a milestone, of sorts at least. Uh, We've been pursuing unity and the glory of God via Reformation Roundtable since November of 2019, when just a few of us were meeting. And tonight, there's many more of us, and we welcome with joy, Brother Dave Hatcher. Um, He pastors Trinity Church in Kirkland, and Pastor Hatcher is going to speak to us about the idea, about the, the reality, if you will, of Trinity Church taking on our fledgling congregation, our fledgling group here, and guiding us towards becoming a missional church, that'd be a church that is being planted in the midst of the world. Um, and we'd be doing that within the realm of the CREC, the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. Um, Dave and his lovely wife Kim driven all the way down here from Kirkland, um, and he's been pastoring Trinity Church for over 20 years. They've got six kids. How many grandkids? Uh, seven. Number seven. Just came. Seven grandkids. And um, Dave, would you uh, would you come up here and uh, let's give uh, Dave a little round of applause.
2: want me to stay over here for a you, reason?
0: You, no, you can go anywhere go the, you
2: want. in the middle? I'm just going to go
0: back. <laughs> and I'll watch them.
2: Well, thank you for uh, inviting us to come and be with you. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father in heaven, thank you for these brothers and sisters that I don't know, but I'm so happy to meet and for the stories that I'm hearing about the desire to see a church planted here, uh, for faithful families and for those who give themselves to the word and to prayer and to wanting to see your kingdom grow. I pray that you'd bless our meeting tonight as it continues. As this group continues to consider uh, the best way to go about uh, having church start here. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I've been asked to do uh, just a couple things and then open it up for um, a variety of questions to, to answer for you. I'm happy to do that in any way possible. I've been involved uh, with the CREC for about 25 years. And pastoring for almost 22 years I think at, uh, at Trinity Church now and have had the privilege of helping uh, several other um, cities see churches get planted in, in some of them very similar ways to, to what you're doing. Just some people who gather together, um, love the Lord. Oftentimes, love the churches or fellowships that they're a part of, but have come to uh, an understanding of the Reformed faith, or there, there's just a need to to see certain distinctives that that aren't really there in their churches, and and find like-mindedness, and then a gathering together and wanting to see something like this get started. Um, and so, I'm I'm really excited um, in hearing the stories. Uh, of your, of, of from uh, from hearing from the stouts and stuff about who you are and, and why you guys are coming here and your interests. Um, I sense a lot of really good excitement and a lot of good reasons for um, people getting together. One of the worst groups of people to start a church are a bunch of discontents. Discontent with the church that they're at. Discontent with their lives in a whole bunch of different ways. Because oftentimes they think they're discontent because... Of, of this situation over here. And if they just got away from that situation, they won't be discontent. But usually they pack up their discontent and just bring it with them to the next place. And that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing, I'm hearing here about thankful people who might be ready to move on or help getting something started, building on a sense of thankfulness and, and, um, and love for the Lord. And, and that's, I would say, so key in terms of building unity and building a really, a really good church. Um, Joe asked me, and I will probably call Joe Al, so many times i have a friend al stout um, he's a pastor in pensacola at uri brito's church um, um, down there and it's a wonderful stout family you you ought to meet him sometime (laughs) so my daughter was a roommate with one of their daughters uh, at school one time and stuff and so um so if i call him al that's why um anyway um Joe asked me if I would talk about a couple of topics and then walk you through a little bit about what kind of the next steps are. It's not like it's a cookie cutter kind of a thing, but generally um, what will happen in terms of forming and beginning a congregation here. Um, So first of all, he he asked me if I would just uh, ask or answer the question, what is covenant renewal worship? And and probably the question comes up because... um, Uh, that that is a central kind of a a distinctive of the communion of reformed evangelical churches not only that uh, covenant renewal worship isn't like a new fad a new thing covenant renewal worship is really just taking a look at um, what really the church has historically done in thinking about why do we gather together um, as uh, as the saints on the lord's day Um, and what should we be doing And how would I find patterns from the scriptures that help me to know um, what to do? Because you know, you get a bunch of people together, and they want to do church, and everybody has their own ideas about what that should be or what they would like. Um, And I've heard uh, people go home from the services, and they oftentimes ask one another, "What you know? What did you think about church? Was was that a worshipful time for you?" Um, And it's you know, and we we have a tendency to make church all about us. We're a bunch of Americans. We're a bunch of consumers. We do everything based on what we want. And we, we're, we're, we are not so fast to say to ourselves, what does the Lord want? He's the one that's called us. He's the one that's called us. So based on a couple of assumptions, the first one being that God summons us as his people to come before him and worship corporately before him on the Lord's day, we, we make some decisions about what's that supposed to look like. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we at least get one little picture. Some of it comes out of the hymn we just sang. We, one, of, uh, one of the things I want you to think about is I, I would tell my kids as we get up in the morning on, on the Lord's Day, on Sunday morning, I'd say, come on, kids, get up. We're going to heaven. Get up. We're going to heaven now. And, and I was serious. Because on the Lord's Day, what I believe happens is in the covenant renewal services, as God, as God gathers his people together, we are covenantally lifted up into the heavenlies. And we join with all of the churches, we join with all of the churches of the, of the past in the worship of God and hearing from the Lord, speak to His people in a, in a service of renewing covenant with us, where we hear again from him that, that He is our God and we are his people and, and Part of the te- one of the texts that you could turn to to think about this is, is the, you know, the whole book of Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter twelve in the book of Hebrews um, the, the the writer is writing to um, Jewish Christians scattered throughout the land who are being persecuted by the Jews for their faith, and they are tempted to go back to temple sacrifices. They're tempted to go back to Jerusalem. They're tempted to go back to the glorious temple. They're meeting in little homes, like you guys have been meeting in little homes, and they're getting in trouble for it, and. And, and their, their Jewish brethren are saying, come back. Come back to what, you know what Yahweh called us to. What are you doing? Come back to Jerusalem. And the warning that is being given is do, do not go back to Jerusalem because we have a greater high priest. We have a greater sacrifice. We're, it, our Lord is greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. If you just go through Hebrews, it's just greater than, greater than, greater than, greater than.
3: And our worship
2: is greater than. Because we are being brought up in the heavenlies and that's what he's saying is it doesn't matter if you're in this little teeny house church somewhere. if you are gathered together in the Lord's day on the Lord's uh, in, uh, you don't, uh, on the Lord's day, in the Lord's name, then in Hebrews chapter 12 it says um, it says in verse 18 he says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded, as if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. He says, you haven't gone to that glorious Mount Sinai where, where Moses... And all the people saw the burning and the earthquakes and the smoke. And and it was a fearful thing. And, and everybody goes, wow, that's good. Because that was scary. And he says, no, you've come to a scarier place. When you gather together, listen, he says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Now, he doesn't say you're going there one day. Listen to him. He says, you have come. On the Lord's Day service, you have come. You have, in fact... The book, the Hebrews is probably a sermon. It's probably, it's written um, like a sermon. You'll notice that it's very different than the epistles. Um, It it probably was an extended sermon that was given. So, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. You've gathered around with an innumerable company of angels, and you've come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to those who have already gone before you and and are before the Lord. And you've come to Jesus, well, where is he? You've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, sitting at the right hand of God the Father and the throne, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice that then shook the earth. But now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I, sh- I-, I shake um, not only the earth, but also heaven. Now, this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So this is what our worship should look like. With reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. You don't come to the consuming fire of, the, of, of Mount Sinai. You've come to the consuming fire of Mount Zion. That's what happens on the Lord's Day. So, um, um, you know when you pray the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we're praying that prayer corporately on the Lord's Day. If you, if you choose to pray that prayer on the Lord's Day, you, you pray that prayer in the heavenlies to, the, to God who is shaking all of heavens and earth. And you're saying, God, what we, what we experience, what we know to be true in the heavenlies, we want you to do on the earth. We want all that is up here in heaven. We want all of that brought on the earth and we want you to shake the earth. And our worship is part of shaking the earth, calling on God to shake the earth. And then we leave the worship service and go out and see what kind of earthquakes took place. That's what we do. We go out and see what, is he, what has he loosened? What has he prepared for us to go and, and now take dominion in the name of Jesus? That's what's going on in the worship service. That's, why, that's partly why it's so important that you attend the Lord's Day service as much as you're able um, each and every Lord's Day. So... That's the atmosphere, that's the attitude, that's what's happening that we should be um, surrounding what we do with regard to what a worship service is to look like. Covenant renewal is is based on um, some of the patterns of the Old Testament that talked about how you approach God. First of all, you approach God after he summons you. And so in a worship service, um, a covenant renewal worship service, we we begin with the call, the exhortation, the call to worship. God has called you. We didn't, we didn't get, get together and come up with it as our own idea. God has called us, and so then we respond with great thanks. After the call to worship, there's the time of a confession of sin. And this um, corresponds with um, what's known as the, the sin offering of the Old Testament. If you were to carefully go through Leviticus um, and, and look at the pattern of the sacrificial system, you'd find there's the sin offering, the ascension offering, sometimes called the whole burnt offering. And then the peace offering, whenever those three are talked about, they're always talked about in that order. And it makes sense if you think about it. So this is for God's covenant people. The sin offering is the the opportunity before God, as covenant believers who've been forgiven, to confess our sins and to be absolved of those sins and be back in fellowship with with the Lord Jesus. It says in 1 John that if we confess our sins, Christian, because you're going to sin, To confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's a time of confession where we um, kneel or we bow, and we confess our own sins. We also confess the sins of our people. We confess as as the priesthood of the nations, we confess the sins of our nation. And having confessed our sins, then we hear from God, your sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. And oftentimes the congregations then all respond together, thanks be to God. And the moment that happens, we ascend into his presence, the ascension offering. The whole burnt offering was where the, the sacrifice, this time the sacrifice, was cut up in pieces and arranged very specifically and carefully to all be offered up in a great offering, a whole burnt offering before the Lord. But it's called, it really, Olah is, is, the, is the word that we translate whole burnt offering. Olah is where we get the word holocaust, where everything is, is, is taken up. Everything is burnt up. But when everything is burnt up, the smoke rises in the great ascension. And so it's also known as the ascension offering where all of us and all parts of us are open and laid bare before God. In Hebrews, he talks about the, uh, the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two edged sword. Don't think of a sword like you know, one of the buccaneers. It was, it was a sword that was used by the Levitical priests to cut carefully, um, you know, be able to cut carefully the, the sacrifice up into the pieces and then arrange it. The word of God cuts us up. So this is during the ascension offering where the word of God is brought to bear on you and you are cut up and laid open before God. And in the midst of our prayers and the word being brought, we are sent. We ascend up to God who now receives our uh, receives us in Jesus, receives our, ourselves, our, our, our people um, before him. And he arranges us. He makes us new. He fixes us. He, he resets us. The renewal is like a reset. And you should, feel, you should have a sense of, ah, I've been reset. This is good. And we respond with our prayers. We respond with our singing. We respond with our giving of thanks. But you should experience and you should, you should give yourself in preparation to, to not listening to a sermon so that you um, can des- decide whether there are some good takeaway points or not. There might be. But what's more important is that you're giving yourself to the word so God can have his way with you. Because okay? he's receiving you. so he's receive- And he's receiving all of us. And then, having, having done that, now we've been made right. And so we can join in the peace offering. And this is why um, in CRAC churches, um, all across, I think pretty much all across the denomination, we all, we all enjoy weekly communion. We're not doing weekly communion. Oftentimes people think, you do weekly communion? What are you, Roman Catholics or something? We're not celebrating a mass at all. We're so- what we're celebrating is the fact that we've been made right with God and we can enter into a meal with him. The peace offering was the only offering where all of where all the persons who were, had brought the offering actually got to partake of the offering in a meal with the priest and one another. And what they partook of was what was offered, the sacrifice that had been offered on their behalf. And so the peace offering, the, the communion, is a time where we gather together and is, there's not another sacrifice of Christ, but there's rather a partaking of the one who had been sacrificed for us. And now instead of a bloody sacrifice, we, we celebrate with blood, or with bread and with wine, just as Jesus taught when he established the Lord's Supper. And so, so, so following in that, what, what happens is, so we are brought, we're called. We confess our sins are made clean then we are rearranged and made right renewed before god and then we are able to come together with one another before the lord and, join, and enjoy the communion of peace finally we are commissioned and so we stand we receive the benediction and we go out and see how much the world got shaken up and we go out there so from the call to the commission um it's set up with c's to try to remember you have the call the confession the, the consecration that's the ascension of it, when we're consecrated before God the communion of the saints and then the commissioning going out that's the general order and the pattern of covenant renewal worship and most of the CREC churches follow that pattern now you could go to a lot of different CREC churches and it'll look a lot different and and really if you think about it most churches are doing that in a lot of ways we, we become so um, so comfortable we would try to be kind of Um, you know, easygoing that instead of a call to worship, um, let us stand and worship the triune God in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Instead, we say, hey, guys, good to see you all here. Let's stand up and sing. Right. And the idea is, is to be more comfortable. Well, if you go, if you say, so which is better? Which do I like better? Well, maybe Hebrews 12 helps us to see what God is thinking. And what God is thinking is solemnity and reverence and rejoicing. All packed together, and so that's what we tried to do uh, as we as we put together the covenant renewal worship. Um, if you wanted to read more about it, you could read a book by Jeff Myers called "The Lord's Service." And I think that Myers is spelled M-Y no M-E-Y is M-E-Y-E-R-S. Jeff Myers. He's a, a PCA pastor in St. Louis, and he wrote a really good extended um, book on that. If you wanted to read more about that. Um, I'm going to move on quickly to a couple other topics, and then you can dive back and ask me questions about that. Should I do it that way, or do you want to just ask questions right now? Let's take care of it. First way. First way. Here we go. Okay. So the second question I was asked is is about church life. What should church life look like? What should be the focus of the church on the Lord's Day, as well as the rest of the week? Um, Well, um, we kind of talked about the focus of the church on the Lord's Day with regard to the service. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, Joe, if you had particular details that you wanted answered with regard to those questions, but some of the things that come to my mind might be um, uh, uh, views of the Sabbath. Um,
0: could be that. It could be anything, just to kind of okay, give us your, okay. your thoughts on...
2: So you know. the the views of the Sabbath in a seventh day or, or an eighth day Sabbath, the Lord's Day now being the Christian <laughs> Sabbath, is something that's built into like the Westminster Confession of Faith. But... The practice of what it means to keep the Sabbath within the CREC, now I'm speaking for, on behalf of the CREC, um, is wide and broad. Um, it, it, for the most part, it's not a strict Sabbatarianism, absolutely no work, you know, you're in you're great sin if you, um, if you do any work or any, anything like that. But there is an emphasis, first of all, on the primacy of the Lord's Day service and then giving um giving rest especially those of you who have the ability to give rest to others so instead of thinking about having to um you know be like um what is it little house on the prairie or little house in the big woods where there's this story a picture of paul sitting there and he's he's just he's sitting by the fire smoking his pipe or something and laura's just this is so boring because all we do is sit 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 (laughs) instead um I think the importance that we try to make in thinking about the Sabbath is not that it's a got to, but it's a get to. How can I give rest? How can I enjoy a time of singing? How can I gather my family or my friends together for fellowship? How can I practice hospitality with those that I don't get to get together with? How can we we kind of spill out of this worship service into more fellowship and time together to be with one another? How can I serve maybe um, somebody who I would never have time to serve and I might be able to help them, like work. I would actually do some work for them in some particular way. Um, And and especially, I think, man, I think I've talked to several of you with regard to having pretty large families. What am I doing to give my wife rest on the Sabbath? Especially a, a mother with little ones. What am I doing to make sure she gets rest today? Um, and so thinking about those things, I think, are really important in terms of what the, what the Lord's Day worship looks like. For us, this is the Hatchers, not C-R-E-C. This is the Hatchers. We established a, um, a pattern, a tradition, beginning on Saturday evening where we start the Sabbath, Saturday evening, with a big Sabbath dinner. That's usually all of our family, extended family. Um, and now with in-laws, it, it, um, a small evening is about 18 to 20 people around the table. Kim makes a beautiful dinner. A lot of people help in different ways. We open up the table. We open with singing. In fact, for 20, 20 plus years, the opening tune is Psalm 128. That's what we sing. Um, it's, um, that's how we open the Sabbath. We eat, we fellowship, we sing more. Um, we enjoy, um, we take part of our tithe and use part of that tithe to buy better meat or nicer wine or lots of chocolate around <laughs> the table for the kids. And well, not just the kids. And, and, we, and, and we fellowship and enjoy that together um, to the Lord, giving it all to the Lord. And then we go to bed prepared for the Lord's Day worship. Get up um, on the Lord's Day, and usually that day is a lot more relaxed after, after church. Um, I'm usually wiped by the time we get back from church and stuff. So it's nap time and play time. When the kids were younger, it's lots of play time, that kind of thing, in, in terms of during the evening and until the evening. And then in the evening we kind of buckle down and get ready for the week, um, do what we need to do in that way. That's that's the hatchers. It's not everybody. It's not everybody in our church at all, and it's it's not everybody in the CRUC. But the mindset is um, this opportunity to just enjoy the Lord's presence with one another over the the Lord's Day. So that's what it looks like for us. Um, I don't know if there are other specific questions or, or whatever you wanted to get in, on uh, with regard to. Uh, that um, Church life, though, is maybe ties into what, what church life should be to the next question also, which is, as a church plant of various Reformed folk, what should we be majoring in and minoring in? Well, I think there's a couple of things that I've talked about already are really, um, are really the majors. Lord's Day worship, developing a sense of covenant renewal, and a rest that is given with lots of hospitality, feasting, and rest with God's people that spills over to the rest of the week. Of, of caring for one another, reaching out, having people into your homes. Uh, Kim and I were talking about this as we were coming down and and, um, and she was just really reinforcing the fact that um, hospitality is a weapon. It is a subversive weapon that that we have the ability to use. If, if your family is in fellowship and you have other people in your home, you don't even have to try to bless them. They... they if, if you have any, you know, and in today's age, if you have any sense of normalcy, just the, just the slightest amount of normalcy, you know what I mean by that, in your home, and you have another family over, they're, they're just going to eat it up. They're just going to love it. You don't have to have the perfect house. You don't have to have everything arranged perfectly. You don't have to have the greatest meal in the world. You can have sandwiches and coffee and, and, and talking and, and just hanging out. People don't do that anymore. And when you do that, you don't have to You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to all of a sudden get out. You will share so much of Christ just doing that. Our home has been a wonderful place of bringing people news about the Savior without really talking about it for a long time. But having them in your home and feeding them, I think that should be part of church life. And it starts with you doing it with one another because that's how you build unity also, doing it with one another. Um, church life also, according to, to Acts, um, Acts chapter 2, after, after 3,000 come to the Lord and stuff, uh, it says uh, in verse 46 at the end of Acts chapter 2, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added it to the church daily, those who were being saved. So that's what they were, were doing. And then in um, Acts chapter, uh, where do I find it? Oh, there's another passage. It's the end of one of the chapters. And they were, they were, they were giving themselves to the teaching and to prayers um, and to uh, be, being together house to house with the family, uh, for the families. There it is, chapter 5. And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You actually find it in a couple different passages. The idea that there should be teaching, there should be prayers, there should be um, the celebration of communion, and I think all around that, the hospitality. Um, and there should be the the opportunity to, to provide outreach through those things to the rest of the community and, and around. Um, those are the things that you should, we should be majoring in. Um, other things that are really important is the church life that really in, encourages understanding the roles of husbands and wives in a world that completely wants to obliterate all of that, being fathers and mothers, what it means to raise your children with a Christian education, um, and then... Um, and what it means to be a family who to, to work together and with other families using the gifts that God has given to build community and then share that community, give that community away um, around here, around Lewis County. Super, uh, super important distinction, I think, throughout the CREC has been the return to singing the Psalms. Singing the Psalms, uh, again, kind of answers the whole worship wars um, question that's going on out there. Um, what, what should we be singing? What do I want to sing? What serves me best? What do I like the most? How about what does God want us to sing? He said, well, since you asked, I've got 150 examples here for you right here. Why don't you start with those? And then anyone, uh, my son's a budding artist, and um, he will tell you that all the great artists in the world and all the great art, great art teachers in the world will tell you that the best thing for you to start is by copying. You copy great artists. Well, we have an artist who's written 150 psalms, and he's a great artist, and if we wanted to learn how to write other good stuff, we could start by copying him. And actually, some of the greatest and richest hymns that, have, that are the kinds of things that lasted, they're weighty, that lasted for centuries, are the kind of stuff that, um, have, that uh, have been copies or they've worked from the ideas of the psalms themselves. So... Giving herself, and the other thing about singing the psalms is if you start singing the psalms, you will start singing things you never sang before. You will start singing things that you didn't even know you were spo- supposed to be singing. I, I mentioned uh, in my sermon today um, that in one of the psalms, in Psalm 106, you're singing about how God, um, because Moses, the people complained under Moses, God opened the earth and, and uh, Dathan and Abiram were swallowed up along with other thousands of people were swallowed up. You're supposed to sing that as a praise chorus.
3: <laughs>
2: we have to learn how to do that. We have to learn how do we sing against God's enemies. Um, throughout the, throughout the uh, Psalms, you have, you have not just un- unbelievable rejoicing, but you also have some of the deepest lamentations and crying and weeping and even complaining to God. We are t- you're, you're to go and complain to God. You're supposed to go and say, God, wake up. Where are you? How come you are not taking care of the things you promised? That's supposed to be a praise chorus. So one of the things that's happened, I think, with contemporary worship music is it's, it's, it's kind of narrowed itself down to just about one kind of concept, one kind of idea. And the psalms, singing the psalms doesn't remove that, but it just gives you this widespread of the kinds of things that we're supposed to be singing, thinking, and meditating on from, from the Lord. So singing the Psalms, I think, is both obedient before the Lord, but it's, and, and God uses it But uh, in, in our hearts in our minds, but it's also um, it, it's also a way to express all of our emotions and, and everything about uh, what's going on in our lives as Christians. Sing the Psalms. It's not easy. You're gonna have to practice. You're gonna have to give yourself to it. Um, but it's it, uh, we've been doing it for 20 some years since we since we went into it. I was a contemporary worship leader before I became reformed. I helped start a church in 1987. Yeah, 1987. I think I was six years old. Or <laughs> <laughs> <Never> <laughs> yes, 1987, and we started a church, and I was the worship leader of a nine nine-piece and worship band, and. Uh, and even then, I, I noticed it was like finding a good song that was going to last was like um, getting a neat, finding a needle in a haystack. It's like there was just so much fluff to get through. And then you'd find a really good one, and you'd teach the people, I got a great one, they'd love it. You know, it's like the big hit, big hit. And for six to nine months, that, you, please do that song again. Do that song. And after about nine months, just like pop hits, everybody's tired of it and want to move on. We started having children. And one of the things that I started thinking about is, I'm not creating anything that's going to get passed on to generations. What are we thinking here? I was a, I was a trained classical pianist. I understood, I understood a lot about good classical music, and, and I love pop and rock, and I love all genres of music. I'm a music guy. But what I noticed is it, 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 was not, it wasn't something that was, that, that was going to stay around, that had any staying power. And I also began to realize it wasn't leading us into reverence and fear before God. It didn't seem to fit. began to study and change. That was part of a a journey that I went through with regard to worship. Major in it. What should you minor in? Well, I think you should really minor in complaining. (laughs) I think you should minor in thinking you have to have it your way in a lot of the details. Um... Reformed, the, the Reformed community um, is unfortunately known as a bunch of people who bicker about a lot of things in, in the intramurals.
1: Um,
2: are you a Reformed Baptist or are you a Reformed Pado Baptist? you going to go to Matt for it? you strict Sabbatarian or you don't even believe that there is a Sabbath anymore? Lord says something completely different. You're going to go to the Matt for it? There's a lot of people who will. Um, how do you feel about the objectivity of the covenant? <laughs> How do you feel about who's really in the covenant? And who's not in the covenant? There's a lot of fighting going on about that. If you don't know, good. Don't worry about it. But you'll, you'll find actually within because we're going to be serious about being in the word and we're going to be serious about studying doctrine, we're going to find that oftentimes we have some very strong convictions and we've, we oftentimes fighting, find ourselves fighting with friends. People who, for the most part, are almost lining up with us, and exactly, on, but we have this one point that we disagree on, and we're going to split the church over it, and it happens. And and yet you can find yourself having just glorious fellowship with this—I don't know—somebody who has completely, you know, completely different tradition over here, um, and and you and you oversee all kinds of things for the for the sake of fellowship, minor on complaining, minor on. Fighting, fighting and bickering over secondary issues. Figure out what the primary things are and stick with them. And then, and this is what the CREC has. The CREC was built this way. The CREC is built so that you can pick any of a number of Reformed confessions. And we're fine with it. You can be a Reformed Baptist church. You can be a Paedo-Baptist church. You can be a church that, like ours that allows a family to come in either way and we will serve you either way. I have my personal beliefs and I teach them. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to, to receive and, and work with the other view. In fact, I've held the other view. So um, I'll, I'll throw in one more thing, too. Eschatologically, you're going to find the CREC to be very optimistic in its view of the work of the gospel is going to, um, it is going to in the end, victoriously bring the gospel to all the nations. And the nations are going to flow um, to, to the mountain of the Lord before the Lord returns. And so we call it post-millennialism. Meaning that the millennium is this reign of Jesus Christ that exists before he returns. And when he returns, he returns to take care basically of only the final enemy, which is death, 1 Corinthians 15. But you don't have to be post-millennial. You don't have to be optimistic. Like it's a bummer if you're not, but you don't have to. <laughs> um, and, 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 you, and you want to make sure that while you talk and discuss and open your Bibles and study it, It doesn't become something that has to divide us. Those kinds of things is what you want to be careful about. Um, So minor on that. uh, One more obvious thing. Minor on hidden sin. I said to the congregation this morning uh, with regard to uh, something we was talking about. Don't forget what Jesus said. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You're going to start a church here. Get clean with the Lord yourself before you get started. Don't, don't drag that in here. It doesn't mean you don't have, we don't have sin. We don't have to confess, we confess sin. But don't drag the hidden sin in, in here and, and think it's not going to affect the work and what's going on. Be done with it. All right, I'll open up to questions and then uh, take you through. Maybe if we have time, I have some points about kind of where things are going. But any questions, first of all? Yes. <laughs> I have to confess to you, I was lying.
3: <laughs> it was a
2: joke. <laughs> I started, a, started church in 1987. I was just trying to not give away my whole age. But, but just like you found out about Mrs. Hatcher, I too will turn 60 this year. <laughs> yes, sir. Don't your parents have any questions? <laughs> I have preached in several different churches. Yeah. I haven't. It's been wonderful. It's been a great it's been a great calling. I'm so thankful for it.
0: All right, let's wrap it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All the important questions
0: have been asked now.
3: So I have yes. a question for you. I, oh, too late. Too late. <laughs> how do you, how do you guys typically like if you get if you get a missional church going or, you know, someone else does, whoever, how do you guys typically help them or what do you recommend for them seeking
0: a pastor? Yeah, seeking a
2: pastor? Yeah, um, there, are, um, there are connections we have with some seminaries that are um, reformed seminaries. And so there's some of those people that are in those reformed seminaries that are not CREC um, people, but they're interested in the CREC because um, of, of some of our distinctives that aren't being practiced in their particular denominations. And so there's a there's a, a thin funnel of that happening, and and some contact, uh, some people who keep track of some of those people. We have one school. Well, it's it's not really the CREC school or whatever, but Greyfriars Hall, of which I went to uh, in uh, '97. Um, Greyfriars Hall is a pastoral training school that Christchurch in Moscow oversees. Um, a sp- it, it's distinct it it's, uh, follows a little bit in the pattern of Spurgeon who had pastors training colleges in the context of the local church as opposed to seminaries um, and so there are men that are being trained there for ministry um, as well um, and then there are also men who have uh, said that they are interested or they've been a part of a church maybe that church shut down or isn't working and so there's a list of some names so usually um, well there's not too much usually different things can happen there might be somebody who's raised up within your own midst there might be somebody here who knows somebody um, who's like-minded but somewhere else um, and is a pastor and might be interested. Um, there might be then somebody that we know. Um, there might be somebody at Greyfriars. We can put a call out to the, the CREC generally as well and you begin that conversation. In the meantime, mission churches, um, we call them mission churches, not missional churches. Um, I think missional has, has to do with something a little bit different. There's a mission church of our church. So if we're planting a church Then then you you become our mission church. What that means is you're under, as you come under, as you become actual official members of the church, this congregation is constituted as a church, but it is under the guidance and, and authority of the elders of our church until such time that you have established your own elders and or and then and, and call the past called a pastor um or your elders and that this has a little bit to do with two office three office kind of stuff but um or your elders constitute that the church you have to have at least two elders we really want to see three elders before we let you go and you and you become just your own um church yeah there's a few other requirements as well so the answer to the question about getting a pastor is pray it really it really is it's it's not like there are lots and lots of men out there looking for the, this particular calling. We'll have to pray with you and then network and see what God brings.
3: Yeah. So uh, I have a, kind of a leading question for you, so you'll give the right. Softball. Answer. Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> so when
0: you were kind of describing uh, worship on uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm sure it's not this way, Pastor Hatcher, sure, but. But it, it seemed
3: like um, the confessional, the John, uh, first John 1-9. Mm-hmm. I mean, come Monday, you're going to be doing that on your own also, right? Yes, In yes. Not yeah. just, uh, exactly.
0: Okay. We
2: regularly teach that what we're doing here right now is because we are coming before the Lord. Um, so as, as, we, as we do that, we're coming into the Lord's house, wipe your feet. Okay? So, but we regularly say, and... Don't be waiting all week long to come in and wipe your feet. Okay, this is this is something that we're doing together as we as we do corporately. But this is something we should you all should we all should be doing, um, confessing our sins regularly um, throughout the week. And so we, it's actually an opportunity to teach how to confess your sin and and also to hear your sins are forgiven. There's there's two problems. There there are people who never confess their sins, and there are people who never believe they're forgiven. We try to make sure we're teaching both of those things. Um, in that pattern. I
3: was have a follow-up question to Luke's. Do you raise people up within your congregation and send them ever? Is that a, something that goes on in this denomination? We
2: did plant a church. Uh, it does happen in this denomination, yes. Um, and, and we did plant a church, where we didn't just raise up and send a person. We raised up and sent 40 of them and planted a church um, just in the next town. Um, one of
3: them was the pastor of that church? One of them was my our
2: associate pastor. And, and after he served with us for seven years, then um, he and it wasn't he had to serve. It was just at, at that time he then took this, this group of people and we got another church going. Yeah, So that does happen also. Um, sometimes there are churches that have multiple staff and some of them are men who might be in an interim position or associate pastor getting some more training and are looking for the opportunity to, to move um, and, and serve in another church at some point. So that does happen also. Yeah, But most of the CR churches are pretty small um, and most of them only have one full-time staff person.
3: Is that why you sent the forty? Was that your church
2: getting too big, or was there? I mean, I mean it was a combination. Um, our uh, Jerry Owen was my associate pastor, and Jerry actually had uh, led many of those people to Christ back when he was in high school, and then he had gone off to Greyfriars and got trained. and And they were a good core group. Um, I think we we learned to plant a church really well because we sent some of our best people, um, and it was a tear jerking time. It was hard, um, but but. Um, I remember getting up on the day that I we commissioned Jerry and sent the church, and I got up the call to worship, and I said, um, "You know, I really don't want to plant a church in the greater Seattle area. I want to plant a hundred churches in the greater Seattle area, because Seattle needs it. And so, as hard as this is to do, we need to see God. Please raise up faithful preachers. Harvest is white. We got to go. We got to do something. So um, that's what we want to see happen."
0: Yes? So, what is the, uh, the reverence and fear, which is jumping in my heart and yeah, desiring more of that um, in a day setting? What does that look like uh, in practically and in a kind of less reverent setting, perhaps?
2: Mm-hmm. Good question. It varies from church to church. Like, so, for instance, externally, let me tell you a couple of things. Externally, you'll find some churches that, uh, in the CREC, that um, dress pretty much like all of us are dressed right now, and even the pa- even the pastors like this. Um, you'll find several churches that are using the vestments and robes and a, a far more high higher liturgical um, order, which includes maybe um, a lot more of reading and reading back to one another, of chanting, of um, of doing of doing some of those things. Um, in both situations, however, um, what what the emphasis is on is a sense of Um, not being silly. Um, We don't do skits. You know, we don't do jokes. I remember in in the church that helped started in Annapolis, I I can still remember one of the um, elders getting up to... And he was a young life guy. And I love... I'm grateful for young life. But he was a young life guy, and it was like he still thought he was in young life. And and that's how he created the church. And he got up and and he started out by telling this great story with a hilarious ending... Took seven minutes. When he finished, he said, "I knew you'd love that story. It has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted to give it to you." And I
0: just
2: went, "I love hearing great stories and a joke and and all of that." But this is that's not what this time is for. That's not what this time is for. And so, uh, in Colossians, Paul commends um, their good order, and the word is "taxes," and it's a military term. He's referring to their worship service. And he's saying, I, I, I'm commending your good order. You lined up like a well-ordered army as you stood before the Lord and rendered to him your, um, your obedience, your praise. Okay? Now, if you, if you went and you, and you watched a, a, a well-ordered army standing, marching, moving, everybody together, doing the same thing, and you would not look at that and go, um, you know, that, that looks really that looks really boring and stiff and I don't think any of those people mean it. No, these, are, these, are, these would be men who are about to lay their lives down for their commander. Um, th- these are men who are into it. Right? And so there's a way to be well-ordered that's still full of rejoicing and celebration. It's not dour. It's not dour. But it's, um, but it, but it's full of, of a joy that is deep. Um, and and doesn't play around with the fact that that there's a lot of hurting people there's a lot of circumstances that we're not going to pretend and and just be happy clappy all the day kind of thing Uh, but we're going to find our ability to rejoice in our Savior so it's this in Psalm 2 I think it says um, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling figure figure that out it's this great awe-inspiring time it is both full of fear and rejoicing. Um, but it looks you know what I, you know one of the things I think is, is different in the CRC church because of that, loud singing. Loud singing. When I walk into our church and I do not hear men singing, I really want to kick them. I want the men singing louder than the ladies. And I want them leading the charge. Amen. And I want over the, over the top of that, all the women or all the children joining in. And so we do a lot of psalm singing so we can practice. We do a lot of try, try to teaching. We've had in the past chief musicians who can teach people how to do music, how to sing parts, do those kinds of things. And it's glorious and wonderful and, again, a lot of work. But it's one of the things you'll notice if you come into our church um, or to many of the CREC, ch- CREC churches is loud singing like you mean it. So I think that's that's something. Any other questions? I think I can, do I have enough time to just walk people through this that that they have? You want me to do that?
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Okay. So on the next page, these are my notes. Um, Here's just kind of a general, there's not a particular order here, but things that would need to be done. If we were to gather together a congregation of families of households who wanted to start a church here these are the kinds of things that we would do we would need to solidify who would like to actually be members of this new church and one question might be whether or not individuals are going to be members or households are going to be members it's one of those option things um, our church we, we have we render membership by household and so um, we, we have a list of each household and the members of names of the household um, if you are If you're a family that baptizes babies, then your children are on there and and marked as baptized. And if not, then your children are still marked on there as part of your household, but they're not marked or dated as baptized until they're actually baptized. And it helps the church kind of keep track of that records-wise and and all of that. Um, And and what we do is we encourage those who have been baptized to come to the table um, and are admitted to the table based on their baptism. Um, So uh, one of the things you'll need to think about and talk about is... um, in terms of membership, who's who's ready to go? Each potential member should begin working on a peaceful transfer and release from present church membership, going back to not being discontent, not leaving un, loose things that need to be tied up, uh, and making sure you leave with as much sincere thankfulness um, for what you were able to do or be a part of uh, in that church as, you, as you're leaving there as well. Um, there needs to be t- some teaching here on elder qualifications and then determine if there are men qualified and willing to serve as elders. That would be something that would be done with with your the congregation here uh, considering, but also with the oversight of, of our church in, in establishing and then ordaining men to be elders here. We need to establish a pro tem elder from Trinity Church. That most likely would be me. Uh, we have five elders. It's possible it could be a couple of us Um and that way maybe only one or one of us has to be here at a time and I, I wouldn't have to always be the person here if there was a need for, for something for an elder to be here again that has to kind of be determined um, um, we have normally what happens with the mission church is you just accept the, the constitution and statement of faith of the uh, mother church and you, you bring that on as your constitution and statement of faith and then you begin tweaking it as, as necessary within the confines of the CREC stuff um, and Uh, You might make changes over time. But in other words, just to get a constitution done, you don't have to start from square one. You just take um, ours and and work with that. But you would have to consider a couple of things. Um, Governmentally, you could be two-office or three-office. Does anybody not know what that means? Don't be embarrassed. Everybody does know the difference between two-office and three-office church? Okay, so a two-office church, good. I'm glad a couple of you don't. So a two-office church means that you have elders and deacons. A three-office means amongst the elders... Um, you have ruling elders and teaching elders, and there's there's some slight differences and then there's four office, which actually has a minister the minister or the pastor is is one of the elders, but he has a particular calling. Some of those churches actually will only have the minister. the minister is the one who has to give who is administering the sacraments we 're a two office, so we 're considered low church in that way. All of our elders are equals i'm I'm just one of the elders who have been set aside. Um, to earn a living from word and ministry, but I'm still just one of the elders. Um, our other men actually teach. They can serve communion. They preach on occasion and, and all of that as well. You have to decide which way you want to go with that. Um credo baptism I understand that some of you are Paedo-Baptists and some of you are Credo-Baptists. Um, and, uh, and so you can. You, you, our Constitution allows either, it uh, seems like that might be a good fit um, from what I'm hearing in this group, um, our confessional statement was the Reformed Evangelical Confession, which is the kind of... No, it's our confession, so I can say it. It's the vanilla, watered-down Reformed <laughs> Statement of Faith. Because right. <laughs> that's who we were when we started. When, when this church started, that's what we were. We didn't we didn't really know what reform meant. And so we sort of knew we were Calvinists. We sort of knew doctrines of grace. We sort of knew some of the sovereignty of God stuff and we wanted to train our children up and so we started a church and the this statement of faith doesn't address sabbath issues it doesn't address baptism issues it doesn't you know so it's it's just very much the vanilla stuff and probably might again be the easiest one just to begin with but if there are those of you who have been comfortable with the westminster confession or the three forms of unity and and you want to help the rest of the congregation find those they're wonderful confessions and of course historic confessions in the reformed faith and they might be, the be they might be better for you. So there's some things to talk about. Really would encourage you if you're able to to attend Christ Church Missions Conference in Moscow, which is happening the weekend of February. It's Friday night the 6th and Sat all day Saturday, I believe. And um, there's there's great speakers I've, George Grant will be speaking. Doug Wilson will be speaking. I think there's a couple other speakers as well. The emphasis is not going to be, I don't think it's going to be necessarily on world missions. Um, I think it's going to be on mercy ministry. Check it out on the website. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, I think it would have a ap- wonderful application for a new church getting started to think about how you minister um, the name of, in the name of Jesus in this community right here um also if you went there and then you, you could go to one of three churches that are reformed uh, that are CRC churches in moscow um, and and get a taste of what does it look like what does it feel like in fact one of the churches christ church is like our church and it's more um it's it's not as formal and ours ours is not as formal as other CRC churches and then there's trinity reform church a glorious wonderful church and they have vestments and follow a, a, a stricter, higher liturgy. And you, you might want to split up and go to different churches and see, see what's going on in those different churches. Uh, and so that's the weekend of February 6th and 8th. Also, um, you should plan to send elders and any other leaders to the CREC Council meeting and Anselm Presbytery, which will be meeting the week of September 20th. Right now, the location is Chicago, but who knows? I'm not sure Chicago will be there in September. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> so um, I'm actually having a meeting with all of the presiding ministers this week, and we'll be talking about that possible location change. But the date is set for the time being, September, the week of September 20th. You'd get a chance to meet with pastors from all over the CREC; all of all the churches would be represented, uh, including the ones from Eastern Europe and Japan uh, and uh, and so if you had that opportunity, especially the, the leaders of the people, that if we had elders by then, um, you would go representing the church. You, you, would, have, you would be non-voting members of, of, of Presbytery. You'd be able to sit at the table even and uh, be a part of uh, dialogue and discussion. Um, and you'd get to know the guys, which is, which is really important. Um, and then I would just encourage families to take the time to come up and visit us up at Trinity Church and also go to, uh, come up and go to Emanuel Church. Um, because of covid even though we planted even though we planted this church to go in another city then we lost our home they lost their home and now we're in a in a church we're in a christian school in different parts of in two different buildings right next door to each other
1: <laughs>
2: we mean at 9 30 they mean at 10 30 we did that that way so that if you're halfway through my sermon and you just like you can get up and go to the other church before it gets started at 10 30 that's what we said um, come up and visit us and let us know you're coming. If you and, um, if we can, if we can provide some hospitality, we'd love to do that, or others in the church. Also, um, Reformation Covenant Church is in Oregon City, Oregon. Uh, and Pastor Bo Cogbill is now the pastor. He's been there for a couple of years. It's, a, it's actually a church that has been around longer than our church. Came into the CREC very early on after we uh, established the CREC. It's a wonderful church, great congregation of generations now, now that are serving in that church. Go down and visit them. Um, and uh, and see if, if, if you're interested in the CREC, if you're interested in being one of the members and you're able, choose one of those destinations and go there one Sunday. and Just, just go and visit and, and enjoy the worship and see what you're getting yourself into. Um, we'll be letting the CREC know about the Mission Church and that will help us in looking to fill pulpit um, and also begin the work of, of looking for uh, pastor search and uh, somebody that might be willing to come here and serve at some point one thing i didn't put in here and joe and i talked about it basically is once you get started we, you guys could begin to regularly tithe to this church as a missions church and before you got all the other ducks in a row financial get a whatever you need to get to get bank accounts and all that kind of stuff. You could send all of them to us, and I would have a great vacation. <laughs> 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 now we, can set up, we, we can set up a separate account, and our, uh, we'd be able to keep track of that for you, and you could be able to set setting money aside right away um, to be able to take care of both of your expenses, um, but also begin saving so you'd be able to call a pastor uh, one day. You're going to want to have a package for that person if that person comes and be ready to go. Um, with some kind of sense of security for him. So, if you wanted to use, um, be able, to, you, you'd be able to uh, to give the money, donate, be a donation um, to Trinity Church. But we would set all of that aside and let it be used for you guys's uh, your guys's work.
3: Yes. So, just I guess twofold. If you could explain a little bit what the what the CRC Council looks like, what what that Anselm
0: Presbytery okay. is and how they get together. And yes. Yes. Secondly,
3: what what do we need to start worshiping on
0: Sunday?
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, okay. First one is uh, the 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 communion of Reformed Evangelical Confession uh, churches is made up of now seven presbyteries that are that are sort of geographically organized, um, like many denominations. So so these presbyteries are geographically organized, and each one. Um, has a number of churches, about anywhere from six to eighteen churches in each presbytery, and they meet. Um, they meet uh, for a presbytery meeting once a year. Each church sends two <clears throat> elders, two delegates, um, to to that meeting, and they take care of anything from church plants, ordination exams, um, differences that might be happening within the. Uh, within churches, if there's any, uh, any squabbles or whatever needs to be taken care of, we are constantly looking at and revising our, um, con- our Constitution. We just made a statement, for instance, about uh, taking a stand against all same-sex issues and stuff that's now been built into our confession. Um, so just growing as a denomination, taking care of that kind of stuff. Once every three years, there is a council. The council is where two representatives from each presbytery are sent, and so you have 14 members of council who basically take care of the business at the whole denominational level. So oftentimes things kind of work, them, work their way up through the presbytery to the council um, for, for um, changes to the constitution, that kind of thing. Um, also work on, there'll be lots of discussion about missions work, the establishment of uh, other presbyteries, um, what are we doing to help t- teach and train, brainstorming sessions, all that kind of stuff is, is going on during that time. When the, when the council meets once every three years, all the presbyteries are required to meet at that location. So there's both presbytery meetings and council meetings. So, like this September, that will happen. When we meet in Chicago or wherever we meet, there will, it'll, it'll extend over five days. It'll be the whole week because it'll be both council meetings and presbytery meetings. Normally, a presbytery meeting is usually a day and a half and maybe another day of fellowship or study. We oftentimes have a study day together, all the pastors will get together have read and studied on some topic or something and and discuss or teach one another, that kind of thing. Okay. Second question, what do you need to do to start Sunday morning worship? Well, pretty much kind of some of... Basically, these kinds of things would have to get ready. You're going to need to find a place, obviously. Um, You're going to need to answer some questions about... I, I wouldn't start until you have a group of people who are ready to become members of that church. And that first Sunday morning, we would actually bring those people formally into membership in the mission church of Trinity Church. Okay, so Trinity Church would plant a church and that Sunday we would bring members into that mission church. Now, if there was somebody we already knew that there was, there was somebody who also could be an elder, we could consider doing an ordination of an elder at that time also. If not, um, you would be un- just completely under our session with regard to our oversight that once that, that well, if you're going to do that of course you're going to just need some of the practicals also who's going to fill your pulpit every Sunday um, our church would be happy if you had if we if we knew there was faithful men but they weren't ordained or whatever but you guys are getting started under our oversight it could happen that could be a way it gets started um, you we'll have to establish a liturgy that, that you guys would want to begin with um, and help put those pieces together um, and then you'd be able to be able to get going but I would um, I will some of you who are ready to go, you'll probably feel me riding the brakes a little bit. Um, because uh, it would be good to have a few more things, in, uh, just a few more things for sure in order. One of the things I would want to do is I want to hear, and I, I got a kind of original uh, uh, first pass list from Joe of those who have said, according to Joe, you're, you're on, you're, you are ready to go. You'd like to be members of a church that is being founded. And then some of you were saying, still thinking about it, not sure you're looking into, uh, for whatever reason, you're not sure at this point. So I'd want to finalize that list. I would then, we would then send to those families some information to take a look at and be ready to be able to make vows as, as households to, to the establishment of this, to, to be members of this now established mission church. So those are a few things that have to be taken care of.
0: Yeah, so I'm thinking through all that. You know, those are great steps to go through. And I just was wondering... You
3: know, if we if we end up going through those steps and we have fam, enough families coming together and we want to figure out figure out the, the liturgy and everything,
0: could we have maybe pulpit supply possibly in the
3: meantime as we start searching for a pastor?
2: Yeah, um so I I can't I, I don't know I, I would love to be able to say that we can we can supply um pulpit every Sunday. But I just can't I can't make that promise to you right now. Sure. Um, and so that's why I'm not sure um, all that would be required in terms of that. But again, there might be men here who would be able teachers um, to be able to bring the Word to bear. Uh, other churches have done it, have read sermons by other, um, you know, by other pastors or whatever. Or there, There's different things you could do on a Sunday where there wasn't somebody who was actually going to, to be able to preach. But it would be best if we, if we knew we had a good rotation. I think we, we, with our churches up north, we could probably be able to send a man down on some kind of regular basis. But I, again, I don't know if it could be weekly. But then Bo's church also has a multiplicity of elders, and many of them teach as well. They, I mean, they're teaching pastors, teaching elders. And so maybe between the two churches, maybe we'd be able to help get a, a good rotation going in some of the I'm time. not looking for all answers on that. Yeah.
0: I just was curious. That's, if, that's, if that's, that's what I have in my mind. If that's something you guys could do. And, and
2: the other thing that happens is you may have, you may have local pastors here. Who aren't in the CREC, but they're good and faithful men, who would be happy to come and preach for you on Sunday,
3: yeah, I think or one
2: Sunday a month. I think that's
3: a very good case. as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so and that might be someone who's not looking to be the pastor. You know, says so there's, there's no like it's not awkward. Um, I'm really happy over here at this other church right now. I'm serving. You might have a, there might be a retired pastor in you know in the area or something. Um, I've seen a lot of churches, mission churches, where that's been part of their pulpit supply. So you'll need some men who are going to be like. Like we just got a call from uh, it was he was an elder or a deacon down at Westminster tri- uh, Chapels, Westminster Chapel or a Church, the PCA Church down in Vancouver.
0: Okay, Westminster PCA.
2: Westminster PCA, and they haven't had a pulpit. They haven't had a pastor, full time pastor, I think, for almost a year. Um, and they called us because they're looking for someone to fill the pulpit. They don't want to be a serious church; they're, they're P- happy PCA church where they are. Um, but they're calling around to like-minded churches. Hey, is there anybody come and fill the pulpit? And and so we've we've sent my son actually twice um, to go and and fill the pulpit down there for them. So that kind you get a, you get somebody who's a good networker, <laughs> someone who's good at making phone calls and 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 seeing what's out there and stuff. And that's how you will fill, you'll fill
3: the pulpit. We've got some pretty committed ladies around here that. Have been, <laughs> great, great.
2: Okay, thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, in Gar- you you mentioned this already. Of us begin tithing now, possibly, and setting up a fund. Is there at some point when you become a full member of the CRC? Is there any kind of a, a oh. passing up the line? A of, tax to the tax, CRC. Yeah. There is
2: no. Um, there's no. Um, formal or required support that has to be given to the denomination. Um, There's usually an ask for help for the cost of presbytery meetings. So when I host our presbytery meeting, it might cost us $1,000 or more to do the dinners and all that kind of stuff we're going to do. We ask if churches want to help donate to that. And there actually now is being established for the presiding ministers, and particularly for the presiding minister of council who does a lot of travel on behalf of the church, a request of support, usually a couple hundred dollars a year kind of a thing to help with his travel expenses. At this point, it's not mandated or required. There is talk in the denomination as we grow that possibly some kind of support mechanism like that will be put in place for churches, um, asking churches to do it, and it would be kind of more formally
3: required.
2: Yeah. But it's, we're not
3: at that place right now. So two other money questions. Yeah. Um, is there a I, I think you mentioned something about missionaries. Is there a network of missionaries that are that are sent by this denomination? There is
2: not. We don't have a mission organization within the denomination. We have um, people who have been sent by churches and are doing missions work, but that is done at the local church level right now in our denomination. It's actually one of the things we're talking about more. Um, there's, there's pluses and minuses about developing a missions committee at a denomination level kind of
3: thing. And the last question is, is there a general established way within the notion of how money is handled at the church like as far as is it the elders rolling over there, the deacon I mean what's right the yeah I
2: think in general there's no requirement I think in general the best practices that is used is the elders the elders are responsible for the budget in the church and will develop that budget the deacons of depending on how large the church is you might have a diaconate that can actually yeah. work through it um, and help it with that but it, it's the elders who take responsibility for putting together a budget and then and following through with that, having oversight over that. And almost always, the the pastor or the person who is you know on staff being paid um, is completely hands off with the money. I have no signatory authority uh, at the church at all. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm excited for you
0: all. Thank
3: you
0: We're going to sing uh, uh, Psalm 128, and then we will sing the doxology and get out of here. Now, uh, the Sabbath is, uh, man was made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not made for man. And so for all you kids who just sat through an hour and a half of us talking, make sure sure your parents know you get an extra treat tonight
3: because the (laughs) Sabbath
0: is sweet. (laughs) All right. So Psalm 128. Bless the man that fears Jehovah
1: and that walketh in his ways. Thou shalt eat a lion's labor and be prospered all thy days. Thy children compassing thy table round, Lord him that fears Jehovah shall this blessedness attend. O Jehovah heart of Zion, shalt thou hear his blessings send? Thou shalt see Jerusalem prosper all thy days till life shall cease. Thou shalt see thy children's children unto Israel.
0: See thy children's children Unto Israel be Amen. 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 All right, so then we're going to finish with the doxology. Before we sing the doxology, let me just pray real quick. A lot of you guys know uh, the So family, Jerome and Sean So. They have four beautiful little kids. They've, they've come on many occasions. Um, uh, Jerome's dad has been in the hospital with COVID now for, gosh, over over a month. He's been uh, on. He's been on. Has uh, been sedated and intubated that whole time. Things don't look good. He needs. He needs a miracle. Um, as of last night, things were stable, as stable as you can be on the, in that situation. So, I'd just like to take a quick moment to pray uh, specifically for Shuan um, So, and uh, just ask for the Lord to intervene. He can do it for His own glory, and He can choose not to. But we're going to ask Him anyway. So, then we'll sing the doxology. Gracious God in heaven. Uh, all the medicine in the world, uh, all, all it does is uh, allow you to, to heal us in, in ways that we can see. And so when we take um, a pill or we get, some, uh, get the medicine that we need or the care that we need and we are healed, we give you glory, Lord, because there is no doctor in the world that can actually heal. Only you can. And so we pray, Lord, for Mr. So, for Shuan, who is um, in such great peril. It has been in such great peril now for over a month. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would spare his life, that you would uh, heal his lungs, that you would bring him back from uh, the brink of the grave. Uh, we pray, Father, that in his distress right now, you would hear him, that, you would, uh, that as we call out to you, you would answer our prayer, uh, and that you would not, um, that you would not forget about him sitting in the hospital right now. We pray for Jerome and for Sean, their kids, for Jemima, for uh, Joyce and for Josh and their kids. We pray that you protect their faith, help them to trust you in the midst of this sorrow, help them to hope no matter what the outcome. But we ask the Lord for a miracle so that your name might be made known to the world. We pray this in the good and strong name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Praise God from whom
1: all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts.